never heard of. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. Welcome to Common Folk. Hey, we're back. Ooh. Was, did you see how I got a little bit more excited? You were. Yeah. A little more animated there. Yes, yes. We're now a little... Do you like that, Morgan? Yes. Do you, do you like your Ben a little more animated? Yeah, he's always very quite <laughs> chill, which is which is great because it calms me out, but yeah, yeah. a little up and uppity Yeah, you got to bring a little, yeah, a little zesto to the podcast, right? I've been working there on it. Go. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's all you got, though. Hey. That's all I got. Day by day, <laughs> okay. get a little bit better, right? Okay. That's all we can try. I mean, yep. that's all we can strive I'm for. I'm not going to ask for too much, okay? <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> so what's like up, that. Andy? What do we got going on? Well, we're going to bring on a guest that I kind of met through, you know, one of my other endeavors, you know, sports broadcasting. Uh, every summer we've been doing this thing with uh, Collegiate Development League, and it just fits News Channel Nebraska perfectly because we cover these a lot of these kids in high school and then throughout college, too, because we do Wayne State, Doan University, UNK games. So we kind of have a relationship with a lot of these or have covered a lot of these players that make about 70 percent of the rosters. Um, and it's, if for folks out there that don't know, uh, developmental league is kind of like the Cape Cod League or the Alaskan League. Um, and anyway, one of these coaches that just always seems to be on the winning end, so I have to interview this guy after every game, you know, and <laughs> introduce the player of the game and coach of the game. And uh, Johnston Hobbs over here, he's the coach of the Filth Ballers. So, oh, I like that yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's fitting. And it, it does have that um, <laughs> minor league kind of flair to it. It's another facet of the league that I just love. You know, this, it's for fun, but it's pretty competitive too, isn't it, Johnston? It is. It is. First of all, I want to thank all three of you for having me, and I'm not going to apologize for you having to interview me after each game. <laughs> <laughs> right. That means you're winning. <laughs> That's right. No, so uh, Coach Hobbs has a couple different things going on. Um, I just – every time I – talk to this guy i'm just like wow you do this you do that like what what all goes into that and start telling me about well we got a player down in florida or you know i'm training a guy in north carolina like what what how do you do all this how do you tie all this together and then just make time to pick up and go to omaha to coach a collegiate baseball team over the summer so uh Coach Hobbs, I'd just kind of like you to introduce yourself and kind of tell us about your your personal business and and really like what kind of draws you back to Omaha to be part of this you know Corn Belt League that I feel like it's growing year after year. Um, I own and operate two two four Performance and uh, Peak Performance. Um, basically, we are um, we started off as talent development. Um, when I retired, um, I had a couple of different successful um, businesses and I played baseball. So once I retired from all that, um, I was down in South Florida living as most retired athletes do and because uh, there's no state income tax. And um, I was watching all these former players coach these guys for, you know, 80, 100 bucks for 45 minutes and, mm-hmm. you know, coaching a nine-year-old like he's a 20-year-old or vice versa, all just saying the same things over and over and over, you know, keep your hands in da, 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 while they're looking <laughs> at their phones. It's like that... Uh... That scene on Happy Gilmore, yeah. Where uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah. Chubbs is yeah. is sitting there and he's like, yeah, great. And that lady's like swinging <laughs> and he's like flipping through. Yeah, great job. It's, it's move your exactly hips. that's the image yeah. that I got yeah. when, when I saw it. Yeah. Um. And then I was a catcher, and there 
aren't a lot of schools, particularly high schools, that have catching coaches. Mm-hmm. So my old coach at Indiana reached out to a high school coach that he knew in South Florida and said, hey, one of my guys is down in Florida. He's a catching guy. Um, do you have any room for him? And it just turned out that their catching guy just left. So I went down to Flanagan High School. Uh, we turned around that year and won a national championship. And then we were ranked probably top five in the country for the next few years when we were number one again a few years later. Put out a bunch of MLB guys uh, like J.D. Martinez and Mike Napoli, guys like that. Um, so we were blessed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Talent so, does help coaching. I, I mean, will say that. <laughs> well, yeah, but you helped that. Like, yeah, yes, you want talented people to coach, but yeah, don't you it, think? It, they all didn't come up like the way you see them. Okay. So you know, you know, every time one of those guys hits a home run or something that you know maybe a while back, but on their journey. At some point, you made some sort of uh, difference for Absolutely. Them. So that's the fun part for me. is, mm-hmm. um, And one of the reasons why I keep coming back to Omaha, which I'll get into, but um, as I started doing catching and I was catching there, then I got invited to, because all of a sudden our catchers went out the, the roof. We were all first team South Florida, which is a pretty big thing because South Florida is the hotbed for high school baseball. Okay, is it? Yeah, I mean. It's like Nebraska volleyball. Okay. All right, that's good to know because I, I don't I mean, know Most guys enough. go from high school to the pros. I mean, they're really? that good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of Dominicans. We got some Cubans, Venezuelans, you know, and, and that's their way. You know, yeah, I, I was the only uh, non-Latino Hispanic on the team. And it was like, you know, Rodriguez, Gutierrez, <laughs> blah, blah, and then Hobbs. So, you know, <laughs> but I immediately got in and um, I, I got asked to speak at some national conventions on catching and catching strategies. And I started doing research. Um, every year on catching, and it kind of blew up. And I said, well, why am I doing just catching? Mm-hmm. So then we started pitching, because as a catcher, you got to work with a lot of pitchers and mm-hmm. a lot of pitching coaches. And different pitchers have different mentalities and personalities, some of them multiple personalities. Yeah. <laughs> you got to know, you gotta know oh, which guy does really? what. Oh, yeah. Uh, the screwballers, the, the, lefty, the knuckleball The lefty flamethrowers are the weirdest. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, well, can I interrupt you, you real quick? Right so at what, at what age were you? When you were talking about this. Was I when yeah. I started doing this? Oh, wow. Let's see. Probably 40. Okay. Yeah, I'm 57 now. Okay. So, I, th- yeah. I was just trying to think of like timeline for people at like how many well, if years If you want ago. my birthday too, well, I take cards. Well, no, away. that's okay. <laughs> I didn't want to ask you your age, but <laughs> just was thinking that, you know, how old were you when you were, do- okay. Yeah. I, um, I sold Go my ahead. company and um, I was actually playing pro ball um, independently and uh, blew my Achilles oh. and then blew the repair. Jeez. And so that effectively ended the career. And I was the best I'd ever been. I was playing with guys 15 years younger than me, and I was careering. Wow. So it was really tough. Um, it's not the way I wanted to go out. Obviously, nobody wants to. Um, so starting this company kept me involved in baseball. Um, so we, we started doing pitching as well. And then um, I have a background in biomechanics. So I started studying more human movement stuff and applying science and physics to what we do. And, you know, it's a big technology thing now in baseball where sabermetrics, where your pitching development guys are MIT grads in math. They're not like yeah. old school baseball guys that have been around for 30 years. So yeah. mm. I had to add something to um, my resume that would make me attractive, um, you know, to get business. And then it started uh, blowing up in the clinics. Then we started doing talent evaluations for little leagues. Um, so we would go and, and, put numbers on kids so instead of dads evaluating them for the draft and you know there's always some you know and i don't like to use daddy ball but you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean they'll 
you know, you give him a one through a five, he's going to give his kid a one so he can draft him later when he's really a five or vice versa. He's a five when he's mm. really a one. Um, so we got into doing evaluations with that. We made the kids, you know, put on numbers. We didn't know any of them. We started doing the player evaluations. We made up eight different metrics to um, to evaluate their athleticism and their baseball potential within the rules of Little League because Little League says you got to get three ground balls here, you got to get three ground balls there. So we got really creative with that and came up with a program that's almost like a fantasy draft. Like you have all – there are 500 players in this league. We evaluate every one of them. We rank them 1 to 500 on any of the eight different metrics. So if you want a shortstop – who has got a high score in athleticism and a good batting average, it'll rank all those one through 500. It'll Sweet. run the outfielders. So we quickly, uh, we quickly trademarked that and copy wrote it. And um, the next year, for the first time in 47 years, Fort Lauderdale won like five district championships. So we've been going back every year and doing that with them. We've been on upstate New York. Uh, we've been as far out as Arizona. Um but then I got kind of bored with that because it's not higher level. I mean, it's a lot of fun, you know, but working with 500 kids can wear you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And dads that are like, oh, that's my kid over there, number 47. Yeah, I got it, you know. Yeah. All right. Is um, that the hardest, the, like the parents probably? or You know, it's, I hate to say this because it's just sad, but it's the reality is that the parents are, are what's mainly wrong with everything in kids' sports right mm-hmm. now, okay. youth sports, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I mean, you hear that. I mean, and we have kids that play sports but right. well, we, well, we we know it 100 percent. i mean we've I mean, been we've been through that our a little bit of background just so you know who, who we are and and the um the the listeners know because we've talked about it but our daughter uh goes to college at colorado state right now and she plays soccer and she she has since she was like three years old so we came through that whole thing and watched all that unfold and exactly the things that you're talking about, like the the interference that the parents had, you know, y- y- you think about like, how are they helping them along? Like, how, how are they enabling the child to, you know, get to the next level and so on and so forth. But so often you see where they're holding them back because of just the way they act. Absolutely. And it's, you know, getting in way of the coaching. 100%. Yeah, and if I'm just glad I got my job when I do now because every parent I meet is an all-world coach, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be tough yeah. for me to get a coaching yeah. gig. Yeah. 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 And we, we would run into it. I mean, we'd be on the sidelines. We'd be whatever. And people would be yelling. I mean, sometimes we'd get passionate, whatever. And it would be like, look, you got to reel it back. Let the coach and the players do their thing. Yes. We, we're just here to watch at this point. Like, we've done what we, what we can do. We need to support yeah. from the backside. But – but Let I think that came thing. from also the the coaches and the and the teams to be like, I don't need you parents saying anything. You say mm-hmm. something, we got a problem. So we were there was so don't you we think we had some coaches that would that were like, don't say a thing, yeah. you know. But I mean, do you feel that you um, do you see that or? Oh, I see it because like as you would watch your daughter's soccer games. I got to sit there all day and watch every one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got it times ten Ugh. every day, and there are things that I see that just makes my you know skin curl. Um, yeah. You know, just recently when I was down in South Florida before I came here, um, one of the the things that my business does is we will capture live video of your entire game and upload it for whatever team that wants it. But we also chip each individual player, so the camera will track every single player. So no matter what play you're in, the AI will separate it and email you all your plays on top of the game. Wow. Cool. So you can use that to yeah. – coaches can use it to evaluate. 
Little League parents can use it to send it to grandma or grandpa mm-hmm. or whatever. And then kids like what I'm working with that are looking for four-year schools out of JUCO or looking to go pro or even trying to find a, a college team can use those videos. So we were out doing that in, um, down in Fort Lauderdale. And you know there was a parent who immediately sent us an email when we put it out that we're doing it, criticizing our email address. What? <laughs> you know, yep. this doesn't look very professional and I'm a I'm a branding specialist and I'm like, this is yeah. all my company does is brand athletes, yeah. pal. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is a you know, this is the beta version of what we're doing. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll dress it up later. So we get there the game and it turns out it's the same parent that's trying to tell his kid how to pitch of the course. entire time and how to slide as he's carrying his four pound dog with a bow on it, you know, yeah. and I'm, ah. I don't stereotype, but yeah, no, you can't you. even pick a right dog, yeah. man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell the kid to slide. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the things he was telling the kid were just absolutely ridiculous and goes against every baseball, um, you know, piece of acumen that anybody would have. So yeah. I, I think you have to, you have to realize and a lot of parents don't like you have choices, you know, you, you can decide where your kid is going to play or, 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 or at least get them to try out whatever. And if you don't like it, then move on, man. Like, well, there's so many options. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but what you have to realize is that once you've decided to be a part of an organization, let that organization do their thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no different. I, like, I, I reference, um, <clears throat> excuse me, automotive repair all the time because that's kind of how I came up. Yep. It's no different than are you going to go to – so you're getting your car worked on. Are you going to go walk in the shop and, and go tell the technician, like – Man, I don't. I really think you need to be thinking about this and looking at this part, and you know, blah blah blah. No, you're not. Yeah. Let <laughs> let the expert do their thing. Yeah, I, I run into it sometimes when I'm working with catchers. You know, I have some parent. Uh, well, first of all, ask me for advice. Um, you know, what do you think I should do today with my catchers? I'm coaching little league. I'll say, well, I'd do this, and I'd make sure their feet do that. Well, why? Wouldn't you have them do this? I'm like, no, I would. I would have them do this and move their feet like that. <laughs> well, it doesn't make sense because you're not listening. You know, and it, or, you know, X, Y, Z, and I'm like, well, listen, man, you're an attorney, right? I'm not going to tell you how to go in and fight a case yeah. in court. This is what I did for a living. I'm pretty sure I got this down. You know, yeah, yeah. but they're just some people. You know, I think that's their way of being involved. They yeah. don't realize that it's a negative effect. Now, yeah. Number one, you know what what happens to that kid down the road from that experience. And, and every now and then I'll get, um, I like say, an entitled athlete who's, you know, whose parents told them that they're the best and the coach is ripping them off because they can't, you know, they're not starting and you're mm-hmm. the best, best, best. And mm-hmm. they end up transferring high schools three or four times. Oh, and, we're seeing yeah, a lot of that around here. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it's not uncommon in baseball in college to transfer because you got to play to get drafted. So particularly with COVID back in the lineup and, and kids aren't getting time because the, the rosters have expanded and you have scholarships that expanded in order to – give the players that are there a fair time or a fair opportunity because they lost two years. Um, so, you know, a lot of high school kids are staying back a year, doing an extra year at academies and stuff like that because you're getting the COVID guys moved out. So we see it a lot there with uh, transferring and stuff, but that's not unusual. But when you're bouncing around from high school to high school and you're an average player, that's usually got something to do with the parent. 100%. Yeah. So Every was, time. was that part of the reason, you know, moving up from Little League up to a little bit higher stakes or more developed players, is that one of the things that kind of attracted you to the Corn Belt League, this collegiate development league here in Omaha? Yeah, I've been coaching college kids now for about 10 years in the summers, and it's really weird because another part of our business is talent management. So um, I started this talent ma- uh, management agency about five or six years ago knowing because I'm coaching college guys that eventually – they're going to get out of college, and if they're good enough, move on. 
if you move on to minor league ball, you got four or five years to make the big league team or you can get traded or whatever. So you're looking at eight, nine-year turnaround. So I formed the, the company not even having one athlete. And, you know, uh, three years later, these guys start coming through the pipeline and yeah. they're guys that I coached. Yeah. So I originally did that. That was kind of my time off from the business because okay. when everybody's playing is when there's no agency work going on. It's in the off season when you're striking deals, going to meetings, going to dinner, trying to you know talk teams into signing your guys. The season you just let them go and do their thing. You know if they need some bats, they'll text me. If they need <laughs> shoes or something, I'll yeah. hear from them. You know I got one player right now that I talk to every single day because we're having a issue with the elbow and a coach pressing him to pitch and you know we got some contract stuff on the line so um and for folks that don't know collegiate baseball is played in the spring short kind of a short season and then for players and kids that want to get better they join these summer leagues and they have all summer to kind of hone in work on their skills you know find coaching like through uh, coach Hobbs in this type of league so it's it's where baseball is just a little bit different than football and even basketball where you you're allowed to play in the summer league, you're actually encouraged to, I would say. Yeah, um, every coaching staff has a player development guy in college, and their job is to get you to a league to get more time. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes pitchers take the time off, obviously, because they got to let their arm rest. Um, What attracted me to Omaha is, you know, I I had just finished a season in Puerto Rico, which my family was super stoked about. Let's go back to Puerto Rico. (laughs) I bet. You only came the last two days of the season, you know, (laughs) then we stayed two weeks. I'm ready to go home. You know, so I get that a lot when I get home. Are you going to back? No, I'm not. <laughs> so um, I came here after the first year. I brought about eight of my guys with me from South Florida and guys that mm-hmm. I'd coached. And we won the first nine games of the season. We just kind of ran through the season. And we finished first place in a regular season. And unfortunately, I had to leave because my wife's father was very ill and eventually passed away. Um, so my assistant took over, and we lost the championship game that year in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So the next year I came back, and um, and this will all lead to why I keep coming back here, um, was the first COVID year. So I come back, and I got 12 guys on my roster who had never played a college game because their season got banged, and they were all yeah. freshmen. So basically I got 12 high school guys. Oh, God. Well, we finished the regular season at 10 and 19. Nobody gave us a prayer. Then we swept the entire league in the playoffs and won the championship in the tournament. Nobody touched us. That was wild. It, it was wild. And you interviewed yeah. him? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. After yeah. the dog pile. And yeah, you talk about lefties. <laughs> you had a yeah, wild yeah. left-hander. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, my I had some. I had some nuts on that team, we, man. Uh, I, real quick, I just, it just blew us away. Like We were just trying to grasp, try to wrap our mind around it, this reliever that he had. Every time he came into the game, and we didn't know this, he would chuck the first pitch out of the ballpark, like behind the stands. On purpose? Yeah, and we yes. didn't know that because you'd do his wind up and you'd throw and it'd be a ball, ball one. But he like would go over the backstop and into the stands. And I'm like, uh, he must have lost his grip on that one. <laughs> I like, remember that I broadcast because when I went back and listened to it, you guys were like, oh, got out of his hand. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's all planned. <laughs> he, just, um, he just throws it over. But why? Yeah, yeah. It's called mountaintop. That's kind What's of his thing. Okay. You know how – um, he's a very crafty pitcher. Like, he doesn't overpower okay. you. And it's, it's funny. He became my assistant after that, and now he's a head coach in the league coaching against me. Oh, shit. So I have two of my former assistants <laughs> coaching against me and one of my former pitchers. So, like, half the league, is I got a big target on my back now. Mm-hmm. I feel like Bill Belichick pumping out coaches over yeah. here. But, yeah, and they know all your no, tactics. I don't, I don't and... tell them everything. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Got to protect the brand, okay. man. <laughs> but he would, his first pitch was, that was his trademark is throw it over the press box, and he yells, mountaintop, you know? <laughs> and, and so everybody's like, well, you know, and I told him, you can do that, 
But if you walk that batter, that stops. Never walked a batter. Just super yeah. crafty, high baseball IQ. He he has the league record for pickoffs, you know, because yeah. he's just that crafty. So it's a lot of fun to see him evolve as a pitcher against me to a pitcher for me yeah. to my assistant coach to now head coach. Well, and mm-hmm. he got player of the game. Yeah. So I had to interview he did? him. Yeah. And I said, what was with that first pitch, man? He goes, ah, uh, you know, that's just a tactic I use to remind myself that it's not life or death. This is a game. Yes. So just have fun with it. And when I do that, it makes all the guys laugh. You know, takes the edge off. And I think that's a really good perspective. And that's another thing that this, you know, summer league allows you to do is just have fun, get better, play baseball, and enjoy it. I think that also um, is a little glimpse into how important the mental aspect of the game is. Mm -hmm. Because what you're talking about right there is, you know, the kids like, man, it just it clears my head a little bit. We have a little bit of fun. Things lighten up, and now it's go time. And that's and that's all Mm -hmm. a mentality thing, right? Yeah, and and Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, and, and that team in particular was a very fun team because we watched each other develop. And as we got closer, we got better. And we just hit it at the right time, and there was no stopping us that season. Mm-hmm. So we come back the next season, and I have I did a little uh, little bit more recruiting. You know, Joe likes us to recruit about eight guys. You know, I like to recruit about 20. Okay. I mean, my roster is 25. <laughs> I'm going to recruit 20. <laughs> I want to know what I'm dealing with because it's hard to take 25 guys from different schools, different cultures, different parts of the country and make them one team. Mm-hmm. If I have returnees coming back, which I've been very lucky to have uh, a lot of guys return to play for me, that brings some um, consistency yeah. back. And now I have five to eight assistant coaches that are playing that mm-hmm. tell the guys how Heck things yeah. go. Yeah. So the last year's team um, brought a bunch of guys. We had like eight or nine returnees. So we immediately clicked. But we were very workmanlike. Mm-hmm. You know, we were like suit and tie, come to work, old school Yankees, no facial hair. <laughs> and not by anything I did because I'm the biggest clown out there. But that was just the approach they took. Like, this is our job. We're going to come in here. And we set a league record for wins last year. And we won the regular season and the championship season, which had never been done before. So that was a really special team. This year's team is the most fun team I've ever had in my life. And I've coached tens of thousands of people. And these guys are just ridiculous. What is so fun about them? I don't know what it is, but like I'm, I'm almost laughing right now just thinking about them. Because I looked down the dugout yesterday and, um, you know, I hate to say this about my former coach, Sonny, but we put a beating on him yesterday. <laughs> and oh, I'm, no. You love to give him a. Okay, are, I'm not going to lie. I do. I like to stomp him. <laughs> He's always trying to pull some little trick on me, and then it never works. But So I'm looking down the dugout, and guys are just having fun. you know. And we've started off, we're 7-1. and one. We're playing well. We've had 45 hits in the last three games. You know, We've averaged something like 10 runs a game. You know, But that can't, that's not sustainable. We are going to have a game where we don't perform like we're supposed to. And we had that game last week where we got our anatomy handed to us. <laughs> You know, figuratively speaking, it wasn't that bad of a score, but we didn't do anything right. Um, but they still had fun. Yeah. So the next day we came out and we played like our tails were on fire. You know, this this group is more of a blue collar kind of let's get down to it and have a lot of fun. It's kind of like a party in the dugout with these guys <laughs> this year. <laughs> so it's kind of it's taken some years. Like uh, I'm not as old anymore. You know, with these guys, I feel like I'm 30 and not 57. Yeah. I. It, a couple of things. I've got some notes that I want to ask you about, but I want to ask you first, Andy, because um, we talked about trying to do a couple of different recordings here, and we talked mm-hmm. about 
learning about the coach and kind of how he came up and what he's doing. Then we also talked about maybe just doing something on coaching. And so far, we're basically talking about coaching. So, right. uh, do we want to blend this or we want to move on? Hey, let, let's just let the conversation happen. Okay. Right? I'm, I'm right. cool with whatever. Yeah. Uh, I did kind of want to shift gears and get into, and we've already talked about this, uh, NIL. And I yeah. know it doesn't 224 yeah. performance, you, you kind of, you help some, some student athletes out with that, don't you? Yeah. Part of our agency is representing amateur athletes on the NIL side mm-hmm. because you can't obviously represent them from a professional sports side. So we do a lot of NIL work with guys and um and uh well any athletes really um, we have baseball we have boxing we have uh beach volleyball we have mixed martial arts those beach volleyball gals they rake it in yeah like, they're some of the highest paid collegiate athletes really? out there yeah and gymnasts imagine the, the, that yeah yeah that's weird yeah the uh, logo's only this big though <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's true but yeah so i mean i think the the more people good people you can have around these you know, student athletes to try and help them navigate this because things go wrong. And then, you know, you accept $500,000. Well, guess what? You got to pay taxes on that. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to spend it. And it's a lot of stuff for 19 and 20 year olds to just take on. Like, I couldn't imagine just being handed half a million dollars to play football, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, that. So I think that's one of the things you're really focusing on here. Yeah. It's a huge responsibility, honestly, because every state, every school has different rules and different laws about it. Um, what we wanted to do is make sure that the athletes that we work with, whether they're pro or amateur, get proper advice on this so they don't end up in that situation. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to say it, but there are companies out there that are taking advantage of it. There's one company out there now that you see blasting all over social media that's a popular um, entity that will do NIL stuff, but they get 80%. Mm. The athlete gets 20 80? Wow. 80%. Mm-hmm. We get 20%. Out of wow. that 20%, we pay um, companies to find to stuff for us. So we're not trying to get rich off of it. We're just trying to help them and pay our bills mm-hmm. in hopes that you know they stick with us down the road. We're doing some NIL work with a brand-new um, startup company that's getting ready to roll out called Next Level. And what Next Level does, we're the only agency working with them. So I've been kind of helping them out with the baseball side of it because they've been doing a lot of basketball, football, stuff like that. But the guy that created it's a baseball guy. So um, they asked me to come on board and help out a little bit. So we've been making this thing happen. It's going to be an app where it helps potential and existing talent um, improve or create their branding and then monetize it. So it'll be doing things like NFTs. So here's a digital trading card. We only made 10 of them. Bid away for it. You know, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And that money goes directly to the athlete. And we get, you know, only 20% yeah. of it. So it's all done legally because we have a department that goes through all that stuff because it has to be approved by compliance. Mm-hmm. you yeah. gotta, you got to have permission to use the likeness of the university or college or wherever they're going if it's in their uniform, which, you know, nine times out of ten they give you. Okay. Um, and, and then you put it out there and, you know, you make sure uh, we tell our guys put this over here in this account, you know, because that's going to be your taxes and do this here. And this is what you can spend. Now you can take our advice or you can leave it, but <laughs> we have no responsibility if you blow it all. But we give them that that advice. And that was something that we thought twice about because it's kind of a gray area. It's the Wild West right now with NIL, yeah. right? Um, but with the guys that we were in, the girls that we work with, you know, we don't get the first round people. That's not what we're about. We try to get like the 15th to, you know, 40th round. Well, now it's like 27 rounds. 
um, you know, they don't get a ton of bonus money. You know, after fifth round, it drops off. You know, you can get a quarter million dollars in the fifth round, and sixth round, you'd be lucky to get six figures. Hmm. So we like, I like to help players, and these are all people that I've coached. So they're no strangers in our group, or they're people I've worked with. I know them all personally, these mm-hmm. athletes. So that's the type of thing we want to do. And helping them with the NIL was a huge decision because mm-hmm. it's super complicated and it's super legal. My business partner is my business attorney. So that was that was convenient for us. Yeah. You know, I had this rule where if you have a bunch of friends, you need one that works at a grocery store, one that's an attorney, <laughs> one that works at a bank, and one at a liquor store, and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got the attorney taken care of now in the bank. So <laughs> Right. How did you come up with 224? I'm seeing it on your shirt. I'm so glad what? you asked that because yeah. that's the reason why I created it, so okay. somebody would ask me. Um, if you're scoring a baseball game, 2-4, two, 2-4 to four is a throw from catcher to second base to throw out of stealing. So it would be 2-2-4. Two, two, Two dash four for one caught stealing, so it's two two four. Okay, so that's okay. a catcher from that, number two to number four. That's yeah. crafty. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a catcher's mentality right there. Yeah, I mean you got to promote just running into walls. Catch, catchers <laughs> got to promote themselves. Everyone's talking about the pitcher. Somebody's got to talk about. Yeah. The catcher. Well, I'll tell you a funny story about that. <laughs> I was trying to get into the park pregame uh, back when I was playing, and security wouldn't let me in because they didn't recognize me. And I'm like, man, I'm the, I'm the starting catcher. I mean, I get I wear a mask all day, right? <laughs> you he goes, well, your, your hat's not dirty. I'm like, I don't wear a hat. I wear a mask. You know? <laughs> we had to call somebody to get me in. I'm like, yeah, I'm the last. I'm the first one here and the last one out every day because I'm in an ice tub, mm-hmm. you know, before and after. And he was a new guy, and and there's nothing um, as humbling. As, as somebody going, uh, who are you? You know, <laughs> right? I'm a starting catcher. Yeah. So you've been able, you're fortunate enough to deal with some really good top level talent, you know, in the Corn Belt League, and you, you tried to help a young man out last year, and you still are, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a deal where you're doing all these workouts for professional teams, like mm-hmm. he was flying out to New York, he was flying, you know, down south, uh, and then you'd fly back and you know play in the Corn Belt League. Um, and there was a number that had to be met, and then, you know, could you kind of go down that road and, and what the – because he ultimately ended up signing with a, a premier college team. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then that sounds like it didn't really come together like we thought it would, and I just think that's where, you know, people really got to be careful with this NIL stuff this and transfer portal stuff. Yeah, and, and you really need to get an advisor if you're that level of talent mm-hmm. that you trust and that you know. Um, you know, it, it, no way am I counting on that kid when he signs for me to be his agent. You know, he's just a kid that I've known, that I've worked with, so I'm helping him out and serving as his advisor. You know, he's he's in a weird situation. It usually doesn't happen like that, but this tells you how chaotic the system is. Um, Top-level talent, probably regarded as the best player that's probably been in this league, mm-hmm. you know, projected to be drafted, um, got a free agent offer for right around fifth-round money, so it was about... Two hundred to three hundred thousand, but he was going to a prominent school out 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 west, where you know you get an education from there. You're probably going to make that a year. Um, well, at least that's what they're counting on. Um, but you know, coaches get fired and stuff happens, and mm-hmm. and now you're stuck with wow, I just spent you know x amount of dollars in school, and now what am I going to do? And you know, just imagine if you compound that with you took some money from somewhere and it wasn't legal, and and you turned down that pro deal already. You know, there are, what, 760-some guys in Major League Baseball out of 7.5 billion people on the planet. Sure. Wow. The odds are like 1 in 100 million yeah. that you make it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's a lot of pressure on these kids. Yeah. And you you got to have a sounding board that's got some experience and try to help them through it. 
And, you know, we're working through it with him now. He's entering the okay. transfer portal. Of course, he's got a lot of interest. Um, they sent me the list of schools the other day, and I looked at them, and there's some definite hard no's on there because mm-hmm. you don't know if the coaching staff's going to – you don't want to go through the same thing twice, mm-hmm. right? Because in order to be that one in 100 million, got to be special up here too, like we're talking mentality. Yep. You have all the talent in the world, but if you're a basket case, you ain't going to make it. Yep. Um, and you got to focus, and you got to learn how to deal with failure in baseball. Because yeah. if you fail seventy yeah. percent of the time, you're a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. If you bat three hundred, right. you know, which is sure. crazy. You yeah. fail seventy percent of the time in school, you're working, you know, at Walmart at the door. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah, no offense are. to Walmart workers, yeah. but you know, you're, yeah. you don't have a lot of options. Um, so right now, you know, uh, I think we're actually meeting later today to try to put down a strategy. Okay. Um, All right. And and you know, you'll recover from. He's a smart kid, good mm-hmm. grade point average, so that helps. You know, you, you, he's got a lot of options. That doesn't happen for everybody. Right. And, and that's where some, sometimes your talent can allow you to get away with some things. Absolutely. You know, and you see this at Duke, Kansas, whatever, especially in basketball. These guys go there. They think they're top shit. They get in trouble. Uh, well, it doesn't matter because Kansas will cut them or, you know, take away their scholarship. But then they'll just go play for Kentucky or, yeah. or just go to the NBA. You know, like sometimes that super talent. But – that's that's even more so a less than a hundred in a million. Yeah, I mean, it's the accountability yeah, issue. You yeah, know? and and you know if you run in a program of fish rods from the head, if if kids keep getting away with that, it's because you're allowing them mm-hmm. to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a, a <clears throat> slogan last year that addressed that and is let uh, substance be our style, not style be our substance. So if you're all flair and you're wearing all the gold Evo shield and you got this fancy swing, but you're batting zero, what value do you bring to the team? Yeah. So it's about value and, and putting yourself in the right spot. Now, now, are you throwing a little shade there? Because we had a team last year that had a lot of flair, and it was one of the games that you might have got a little flared up on the third baseline there. <laughs> that was two years ago. Oh, two. Come and by on, the way, we, we beat that team for the championship. So. <laughs> And I would not ever do that. You know me. I know. know. (laughs) Uh, But that is one thing that I I really love about this league. Yes, it's a developmental league, and it's kind of off-season. Not only is it fun, but these guys get competitive. Like, it is still a straight-on, we're out here to win. You know, when those lights get clicked on and that first pitch is thrown, it's all hands on deck. Like, they can still have fun and enjoy themselves. But it's competitive. It is. And and part of Summer Ball, you know, Summer Ball had this moniker – or, or this reputation years ago where, you know, you just go there to have fun. You don't mm-hmm. bunt, you don't do this, you don't do that. Well, that's not how I want to do it. If it's developmental, you can't develop if you're not practicing small ball. If you, right. I mean, pitchers don't practice throwing balls. You practice throwing strikes, right? You don't practice striking out when you're up there. You're up there to get hits. So that's why I started taking a little bit more initiative in the recruiting of these teams that I have is because mm-hmm. I want guys that are serious about getting better. And I don't care if you're a superstar or not. If you say I'm going to come here and work hard every day and fight for it, then you got a spot on my team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of this team this year. Mm. We got a bunch of fighters, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and that's very important. And that makes it competitive, and that makes it a better league. Yeah, you know. Well, and I've seen that from other coaching staffs, especially the past two seasons. They're getting really aggressive, base running, trying a lot more hit and run type of stuff. You know next level you know type of baseball and it's it's not what you think of it as the old traditional hey let's just go get some cuts in there throw some heaters call it a day yeah and again we go back to the mental side of it Mm -hmm. that's helping these kids even at a loss if you're applying that type of strategy um to help their baseball acumen their iq you know and a baseball iq is huge i've got some kids that 
are reactors. They're just natural. Uh, take Tyler Kate last year. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to teach him anything. He just on the fly. I just had to put him in situations. You know, I would uh, hit an IO. I'd make him run a little bit further for a ball. He recognized that. Then all of a sudden he made the plays. I didn't have to tell him, you know, here's how you backhanded or the V cut. He just did it. He just did it. And then you got guys um, who are very cerebral, like some pitchers that, or and some coaches that kind of mm-hmm. overanalyze things. Right. So you have to go and you have to tell them. You have to be either very visual with them, or you can't look them in the <laughs> eyes, or you got to tell them a joke. Oh, I mean, gosh. everything's all yeah. different personalities. So it, um, it, it, it's very competitive. It, it is a great opportunity for kids to get better. You can be a good teammate regardless if you're starting on the field or not. Mm-hmm. You can be a great teammate in the dugout. You can be a leader in the dugout. You don't have to be the superstar. Um, so it's a great opportunity not to become just a better player by being competitive, mm-hmm. but just being a better person, you know, and just yeah. being an adult. So, so see, since you're oh, sorry, since you're winning a lot, I mean, does everybody want to come play for you? Or uh... well, yeah, I have that problem now where I've got some players okay. coming from. It's really not a problem. It's a good problem yeah. to have. I hate to say the word problem, but I'm getting a little bit of heat about it because you know players are like I, you know, I like that. I want to go play there. Uh-huh. Now, you know, two years ago we were ten and nineteen. I had the same coaching philosophy, you know, but it's just these players are evolving. So I've had uh, probably three guys this year come over from other teams okay. um, that wanted to play this year. I had that uh, two years ago as well. Um, but I always check with the coaches first. You know, I say, hey, look, this person wants to play for me. If it's not okay with you, then I won't let it happen. But I've never run into where the coach is like, no, if they don't want to be here, you know, you don't want somebody playing for you doesn't want to be there. Yeah, right? yeah. And, you know, I like to make sure that if you made that choice to do that, because that's an uncomfortable choice, right? You're probably going to see that coach and some of those players again. You know, I'm going to make it worth your while, and I'm going to help you get better. Yeah. I think you, um, to rewind a little bit, one of the points that you made that I thought's really interesting for people who have, you know, kids coming up and they're, you know, they're trying to select teams, they're trying to select um, schools, you know, things like that, you have no idea what's going to happen with that coaching staff, you know, and, and you made that point. We ran into it with our daughter. We, we went out and did all this recruiting, went to six, eight different schools, oh, God. more, yeah. settled on one that we really liked and we liked the staff. And that was like what bought us in. Well, year and a half into it, two years into it, they two. completely turned them over. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's a completely different staff and it was a completely different game. I mean, everything changed. So the, the, the assistant coach that was on the team that was really focused on making our daughter an all-star is now not there anymore. And now there's a new one that has no idea who they are, and everyone starts from scratch. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. things going on there that people have to think about. Yeah, and, and you know whether people like it or not, that's why the transfer portal exists. Yeah. Right? It used to be when I was coaching, um, I started my coaching career as a, as a GA at Indiana, and then I went to University of South Carolina and then to NC State, my job was recruiting because I love that part. I love building the relationships and stuff. But once you sign there, you know, you couldn't transfer in conference um, without sitting out a year. And you could block a transfer. You know, you could say you can go anywhere but these schools if you wanted to, which I felt was kind of unfair because as a coach, I could get up and leave for a better-paying job tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? And these are all kids. And, yeah. you know, I um, – I think it's fairer um, if the coaches can do that, then the players should be able to do it. And quite honestly, if I was coaching, I'd like it because if there's a player on the team that's just not meshing, I'm not obligated to 
provide a spot for him the next year. Hey, sure. I'll, I'll fully support you if you want to go somewhere else or yeah. what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really interesting point and something that I think a lot of people don't think about. Um, one of the things that I want to get back into is we, we talk about this mentality in the mental game. And you talked about, you know, a couple of years ago having your team that was 10 and 19. And then you guys went ahead and, and swept the final tournament or whatever the case may be. Um, what, what happened there? Like, what, what was the change? There was no change in our approach. The change was um, we learned how to pick each other up because we had a lot of opportunities to do that, right? We had 19 losses. So every day someone else had to pick up their game, and we just get you know losses that were 9 nothing at the beginning of the year were 2-1 by the end of the year. So we could see this coming, and we lined up. We thought about a month away about what our pitching rotation would be. Um, I did happen to um, be able to bring in one more pitcher that I knew that just got released from another league. So he helped out. Mm-hmm. You know, one of our pitchers was a high school kid from South Florida that I knew. He just graduated from high school. He started a game in the playoffs and got a win. You know, you're not counting on that. You're hoping that he keeps it close, but he got the win. That turned everything around. But they believed they could do it. They believed they could do it. I would like to think that I helped him with that. My whole goal is to put you in a situation where you can be successful. Um, if you put kids when you practice in situations where they fail all the time, then they don't know how to be successful, right? If I, if I take them in there and say, okay, look, this is, uh, you did a better job here, but here's the core of the problem. You know, then you get to the negative part, the old hamburger approach. Mm-hmm. Right? You did this wrong. This is what you did right. Let's work on this. Um, and every one of them listened. Now, again, I got kind of spoiled because they listened. I don't mm-hmm. know if they were um, scared of me or what, because <laughs> there are times when I got into them and they're like, oh, Lord, coach. Um, but it, it, it was the same approach, just a um, matured mentality. You know, we got tougher mentally. We got closer as a team. And if someone was down, someone stepped up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still kind of get emotional thinking about that season because it was probably the greatest experience of my life because mm-hmm. it taught me more about coaching. Like, I, I went into the game fairly confident that I knew what I was doing that season. I left an entirely different coach. Sure. And then last year was just the opposite, where we didn't even lose 10 games last year combined. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it created a different type. It, it, it exposed some things. It didn't really create anything. It exposed some coaching things that I had that I didn't know I have. So I'm learning probably more every year than my players are. So for me, and you keep asking why I come back, <laughs> number one, I really enjoy Omaha, and I like the league because we have some flexibility to do some things in it that we can't in leagues that are MLB subsidized and what have you. Um, and I got a, a, a nice connection to the community now. But, you know, because of the experiences here mm-hmm. and because it's helped me in the last four years evolve my coaching more than anywhere I've ever been, whether it's professional yeah. or high school or, or whatever. So I want more of that. Yeah. There's a lot you're getting out of it as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I yeah. I kind of feel like I'm stealing from Joe because he's paying me to do this, <laughs> you know, and I'm having such a good time. But yeah. So are you like a yeller, or like what's your uh, tactic? No, I, I like to uh, pretty calm. I'm more of a. I'm trying to think what the. I would say intense. I mean, okay, you got to keep the word intense in there. I'd say I'm, I'm intense, <laughs> um, but I'm more of a. There was a reference to me in a radio show as the De Niro of the of the league. I'm trying to think if they're thinking Jake LaMotta and Raging Bull or Seth Rothstein and Casino, who is, <laughs> right, you know, right. as a calculated, you know. Um, I'm, I'm more of the 
Tony Soprano, I'm going to whisper in your ear, like, you need to get this right or we're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, you're scream. not like the pointing the finger and no, yelling at the no, um, no. no. I've, okay. um, not to get t- uh, too personal, but I've been, um, ever since I was nine years old, I've trained in martial arts because um, I was this nine year old besides 14 feet, you know, and I was falling all over the place. And um, my parents got me into that to kind of help my athleticism, and it probably helped me more than anything. Um, and I've been doing it ever since then. So I've been doing uh, mixed martial arts before it was cool. You know, I was doing uh, Jeet Kune Do. I'm, I'm now training for a USA senior boxing uh, match that I qualified for nationals, and I wasn't wow. even a boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a lot of years of learning how to um, channel that type of emotion and turn it into something positive. And if it wasn't for my background in martial arts, I probably would be that yelling coach. You know, yeah, I might but, be that yeah. jackass parent. Um, mm. But um, I didn't mean to point at you when I said that. No, I just, yeah, you know, I, I since we it. were talking yeah. about it, sorry. Yeah, I was, yeah, like, I was oh, like, oh, damn, yeah. that was bad. No, I got um, it. Um, but point you know, Andy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm um, I sit and I think, what can I say that will get their attention for them to listen, not to just get their attention. Right. Yeah. I can yell and get everybody's attention. But what am I accomplishing by that? It's it's one of those things where like um, for the right kid, it's it's more effective when mm-hmm. dad is disappointed. Yes. than when dad. Absolutely. Starts hollering. Yeah. You and, know what I mean? and, you know, with the teams that we've had, I think most of the guys, particularly the ones that you, you always grow close, closer to some kids than you do others. Like yeah. some kids are interested in being close to the coach. They want to pick my brain or something. Some kids are like, I'm just here for the X's and O's and I appreciate it, coach. And, you know, we'll see you later. Have a good career. Um, the ones that you get to know personally don't want you to be disappointed more than anything. Right. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to let you down. There's a difference between, yeah. and I just ran into this conversation um, last week with one of my outfielders. We were talking about philosophy, not that I was mad at him or anything. Um, but he's kind of like one of my confidants. He's, he's um, Brendan Anderson has played more games in the in the Corn Belt League than any player in history. He's he played for me for four years now, so he's going on sixty plus games or eighty plus games. Um, we were talking about the difference between being pissed off and being disappointed, right? Yep. Somebody will get over being pissed off, mm-hmm. but yep. you know, get disappointed lasts for a while. Yeah. Yep. you know, it's that wound that doesn't heal until you do something right. So when I tell guys that, this is the difference. I may be upset with you for making a mistake that that I know you don't make, you know. But if you do it twice, you know, or three times, I'm kind of disappointed in you. I then, think there's something there's some kind of reaction too, where like if someone's coming at you, the kind of the natural reaction is to be a little bit defense. defensive. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But if if you see that that person like like their weapons are down and they're just like, man, like. What are you doing? Like, you know, it, it, that is so much more impactful yeah. if, it, if it's true, if it's true. You know what I mean? If it really comes from a good you know, place. Look at, I like to compare it to the military. You know, mm-hmm. the greatest leaders in the military are the the cognitive guys, mm-hmm. you know, the, yep. the admirals and stuff that don't yell. You know, they, they have yep. strategy. You know, if I keep yelling every game, eventually they're going to tune me out. It's just noise, 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 sure. noise. Yeah. And you got to pick the time to tell them you're disappointed or where to make it to. There's yep. an appropriate time to do that. You know, me, and we were talking about my OCD-ness on the way over here, I got to fix the problem right now. Yeah. Sometimes that's my shortcoming. Yeah. It's like, I got to fix it right now. I'm going to address it right now. I'm going to make the confrontation yeah. right now. Yeah. And sometimes that's not the best time. So I'm getting a little bit better at that. Yeah. I don't know if I completely get They might have some medication for it. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I would be willing to, to be a trial for that. But Yeah, that totally makes sense. One of the things that you had mentioned earlier as well, uh, when we're talking about the mental game and, and kind of what you guys have accomplished, 
you talked about um, like the clothing and the apparel and how you guys were presenting yourselves and so on and so forth. Uh, how did that come into play? And is, was that kind of a planned thing as well? Um, well, I'm a big believer of um, if you show up looking sharp and you have sharp I.O., you're already in the, the other team's head. Yeah. Right. If you look like a professional, people are going to assume you're a professional until you prove otherwise. Yeah. Um, it, the entire approach to the game um, for guys and, and, and girls, if we ever have, we have one girl in the league playing for another team, so that's really cool, mm-hmm. is, you know, when you step on that field, when you come in that fence, you're going to look like a filth baller that's ready to ready to battle. You're, mm-hmm. you're nothing but baseball. I want two hours and 45 minutes of your focus. That's all I'm asking. You do whatever you want the rest of the day. Hopefully you don't do anything stupid. <laughs> that's what I tell them. But when you come here, I want you focused. And what we do here is we don't do this crap talking back and forth, you know, snippety crap. I hate that stuff. You know, when you hit a double, act like you've done it before and you're going to do it again. Don't give me the horn dog thing right, and all right, the stuff yep, and the dance yep. and the bow and arrow. and I, That's ridiculous, yep. right? You come here, you give me your focus. If you're going to say anything, you support your player. Now, you know, if you know the other player and you want to joke, that's fine. But I wanted to hear you support our player first. That's our priority. This is your family this summer. You're, we're going to be a prior. Nothing else matters. Everything else is second besides your real family and stuff like that, mm-hmm. of course. I'm not that that much of a i'm not that intense (laughs) um but uh you know that that is just kind of the ground rules for when you play for me that's what's going to happen yeah i I love that i think that's great you see too much of that nowadays you know like you said the people doing whatever they're doing throwing their hands up trying to look cool whatever but if you just own it and you do it and, and like you said Act like you like you've done it before, yeah. like you do it every time. It's great. Well, that's where the substance over style comes from. Yeah, and, you know. And when Brandon interviewed me last week before the TV game, he mm-hmm. said, "You know, your approach to this has that changed?" I'm like, "Man, that will never change." Mm-hmm. I mean, everything about me is going to change because mm-hmm. I'm getting older. That will never change. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon didn't have to. Inter- we could have just grab the script from two, three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got the same answers, right? Yeah. 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 So if uh, folks wanted to learn more or kind of get involved, what, what, where would they have to go? What would they have to do to learn about 224 Performance? Um, pretty simple. Go to 224performance.com, and that's the numbers, two and two and four, mm-hmm. um, all one word. Um, we're on IG, Twitter, Facebook, all the social media stuff. Um, you know, if you're interested in being represented, um, you can reach out to us through the website. Um, you know, we, uh, we're, we're not going to over promise under deliver to anybody and um, it's not just baseball right i mean you got no, we swimmers got yeah we divers, just signed yeah. a um an undefeated uh, heavyweight boxer right now that's working his way up in the ranks and wow that's where, sweet. You, where are you guys uh mainly out of uh that's a great question everybody asked me that um <laughs> well i live in raleigh north carolina okay um um, I'm still a Florida resident. Uh, I still spend a lot of time in Florida. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'm here three months a year. So um, North Carolina is the home base. Okay. And then I split the rest of the time between Omaha and South Florida. So you just own homes everywhere or you just do like extended <laughs> really stays? Really big homes. Really. Just, yeah. I'm going to do that Trapper John thing and get like a mobile home and <laughs> oh, just park yeah. it. That would be really cool. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate to, to have landing spots. And, yeah. And part of it, too, uh, you know, uh, to this league is we've had a, um, a friend of mine owns a place here. She lives in Colorado and leases us this place, you know, completely furnished, all bills included, you know, for the summer for a very, very um, generous nice. offer. And that's that, too, is a big reason. You have to be comfortable if you're going to deal with all the things we got to deal yeah. with. And, um, 
you know, it's a small price to pay to come back and have that kind of effect on people, you hope, right? Um, to be comfortable in your off time. Now, can I ask, do you have kids yourself? I do. Family? I mean, do I, they come? <laughs> you said something, hints about the... This is probably going to get me in trouble if I put this link up on my site. Right. Um, I, yes, I have two daughters. <laughs> okay. Um, recently turned 16 and 12. Okay. A 12-year-old thinks she's 20. Right. Um, they all do. Yeah, <laughs> good Lord, man. I, I th- it's like the biggest God smack ever that I have like two girls that aren't interested in sports. Mm. You know, oh, they're not at all. Okay. Not really, just kind of recreation-wise. Yeah. Um, um, the oldest is in dance in the school and really enjoys it, and that's good. And she's like 5'10". Oh, wow. You know, so she's tall, taller yeah. than her mom. I don't know where she gets it from. And then the 12-year-old is like lightning in a bottle. Like she was doing some boxing with me, and she was good. She was like beating up boys. You know, and and they were getting upset because at that age, you know, I'm sure somebody said <laughs> mm-hmm. something about it. Right. But she's she hasn't really found her niche. You know, she did jujitsu for a while with me, and then she did boxing. I was kind of hoping she'd do something I like to do. Um, then she wanted to try swimming because I was a competitive swimmer for a long time. Um, but she's kind of like into the social thing now. Like if her friends play Y ball, that's what she's going to do. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then the, with finding the, the way. Yeah, if if you got the phone in front of them, man, that's going to be. I mean, they are world class phone operators. I'm let me sure. tell you. <laughs> there you go, yeah. I think uh, you know what we were talking about earlier, Andy, uh, and and I have no reason no uh, reason not to talk about this for folks because I think we're going to do another episode here in a minute where we'll mm-hmm. we'll kind of get into some of those things about how he came up and yeah. and what he's doing. So we'll get into that here in a minute if that's okay. Yeah. What last thing I wanted to ask, just because I think it's very interesting for people, and I think it's a cool thing. I see the the two two four. You see these things um, if you follow sports at all in baseball, and and there's all these positions on the field, and you see kind of these cool sayings about it. Mm-hmm. So just to be clear for people, what are those positions, and what are the numbers? Because obviously you've told us two is the the well, catcher. One is the pitcher, okay. which immediately goes to the pitcher's head because they're number one. Yeah, right. Uh. Yeah. Uh, two is the catcher. Um, three is first base. Four is second. Five is third, six is short, and seven, eight, nine left to right field. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. so, you see a lot of that, too, and if, if you follow the game at all, you know, they'll say, all right, the play was XXX, you know, yeah. whatever. Six, and, four to, to two, or yeah. six, four, three. Yeah. It's kind of a cool way to talk about the game. So. Yeah, and then, and when you've initially asked me that question, there's this great, um, I don't know if you call it a meme or something, but it's a field with the numbers and the positions, and then it gives kind of the nickname, like, um, you know, uh, or the animal equivalent. Like mm-hmm. I know catching is the lion, which I'm kind of proud of. Um, pitcher is usually like a chimpanzee or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was say peacock. Or peacock. Actually, peacock's probably better. Peacock, yeah. Yeah, and then you got one that's like you know, uh, dad's you know, coach's son, or you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, tough that, guy and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I thought yeah. you were gonna come up with that. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So is that me? I was six. I was a shortstop. Is, am I a coach's son then? No, or was that well, a center usually, fielder? Where uh, are we at? Uh, that would probably be pitcher or center fielder, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? And then the right fielder is like the kid with no arm. That's what yeah, they think. Yeah. But actually, right field is probably one of the most important positions on the field because you got to have a really good arm there. Right. You got to get over to third base. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, are we going to, I mean. Yeah, let's get I, let's I get so. into that and then yes. in the other episode because then we'll, we'll uh, talk to him a little bit about how he's come up and everything he's got going on and then. We'll go through that stuff. Perfect. So we're going to sign off for this one? I think so, man. You got any anything else in that arena? I, I don't. I mean, we covered a lot there, didn't we? we yeah, did. that was fun. Sure we did, yeah. All right. For sure. Yeah, we're about uh, an hour in, so that'll probably do it. Later, folks. All right. Peace.